Hello and welcome to Match Day FM. It's Morgan and it's deflected in out of absolutely nothing. Curzon and Ashton lead. Dixie to Hardy. Hardy in behind. Hardy past the goalkeeper. Hardy into the goal. 2-1 filed. Chance of Colin Day. Bobbing everywhere again. The other shot. And it's in. It's a recall as for Colin Day. It's been coming. What's a gap and he goes through it. And Akron gets the first try of the game for Siddle. Dan Bradley on his debut scores his first goal for Fylde. They've got it with Smith. They've got it with Smith. They've got a score with Smith. Unbelievable. Great chance. They've won it. Ashton have won it. Hello and welcome to the Match Day FM podcast and the first in our weekly Premier League shows. I'm Chris Stoltz and I'm joined by Chris Coughlin to look uh, look back on the first weekend's action of Premier League as well as looking forward to Match Day 2. First to Chris, what's the overall impression of the opening day's action? Uh, pretty good, I think. Um, obviously, still no fans around, and we, you know, we, we will hopefully have that uh, in the not too distant future. But you know, I thought it was quite interesting before the Chelsea game against Brighton that there was only one team with with both teams scoring, and of course we will we will come on to that game uh, purely for how crazy it was. But the likes of Arsenal, Leicester, I think, put in very good performances against. Fulham and West Brom respectively, although we've said on previous podcasts that we do expect Fulham and West Brom to, to struggle. But overall, yeah, really good quality. There are plenty of goals anyway, and it started off with uh, Arsenal getting a 3-0 win against newly promoted Fulham. Good start for Mikel Arteta's men after obviously winning the Community Shield. Crystal Palace got off to a winning start against Southampton. Wilfred Zaha scoring their goal after... I went on record and saying they'd go down and be really bad at scoring goals. Of course, <laughs> they win 1-0. Uh, Liverpool against Leeds United is a game we're going to go into more depth on that finish in a 4-3 classic to kick off the new season. West Ham losing to Newcastle United by two goals to nil. Everton won 1-0 against Tottenham. Leicester got off to a great start against West Brom. Difficult start to life back in the prem for them. Sheffield United beaten by Wolves. That game was over in six minutes. And then Brighton beaten 3-1 by Chelsea in another very entertaining game. So, Chris, then, um, I think there's only really one place to start, and that is that unbelievable game between Liverpool and Leeds United. It had everything we wanted, apart from fans, really, didn't it? It was one of those games you just couldn't take your eyes off. It was just breathtaking, really, wasn't it? Yeah, that's one word to describe it. <laughs> Nerve-wracking maybe as well. Um, <laughs> Depends what side of the fence you're on. <laughs> yeah, 100%. It, I, I, I'm not entirely sure we were watching a game of football. It was more basketball, wasn't it? Um, if that's what Leeds United are, gonna get, are going to bring to the Premier League, then I'm all for that. We, we've seen a lot of teams come up and either try that method, but not with a lot of quality, or you know, sit back and almost accept defeats at times. Um, Plenty of credit goes to Leeds, you know, taking it to the champions. And arguably, arguably a game Liverpool faced too often last season in terms of a team really being in their face, going at it from the off. Uh, when Liverpool went 1-0 up, you could argue they took their, they took their foot off the, off the pedal a little bit, to be honest with you. They took their foot off the gas because then, obviously, Leeds come back into it. Fantastic goal from Harrison. And then even at 2-1, you think, right, authority now. Then Van Dyke made a characteristic error, Bamford equalises, and then Salah scores, and it's 3 2. At that point, I felt Liverpool had gained a bit of control. 
I just I'm interested to know what you think about this, Chris, to be honest with you, because I, I have there's no debate the Leeds deserve credit. No, no debate at all. Just wonder if it's gone a little bit over the top because they didn't actually get a result, if you know yeah, what I mean. I, I know what you're saying. I think it's one of those, isn't it, where um, ultimately... You and in glorious defeat. Yeah, you've got to ask questions about the fact that they didn't win the game. I think, um, you know, if you sco- my view is if you score three goals away from home and don't get anything, questions have got to be asked. Um, but on the flip side, you've got to say uh, they were playing Liverpool and... Liverpool were at the best defensively. Um, you know, in fact, this can lead into a question for you. Defensively, I thought Liverpool were abysmal at times. Van Dijk for the um, for the Bamford goal—that's a mistake we've not seen from him. Ultimately, was that the big thing Liverpool have to take from that? The fact that they were actually at times pretty poor, and if they play a, against a Manchester City, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, even Everton, they could be punished. Absolutely. I, I would go as far as to say for Van Dijk and Alexander-Arnold, as far as to say that was arguably the worst game each of the, for each of them I've ever seen them have in a Liverpool shirt. I really, really would. Um, I thought Alexander-Arnold in particular was poor. My eyebrows always get raised when Fabinho doesn't start. And he came on. I know Leeds equalised after he came on, but he just provides that glue in the Liverpool midfield. I, I have him as the best defensive midfielder in the world. And I, as, I'm just always a bit surprised when he doesn't play. He absolutely starts against Chelsea. There's absolutely no doubt we start against Chelsea because we saw in flashes last night what they're capable of, certainly on counter-attack. Um, and Leeds came up and they just, they just they continued playing as if they were in the championship. And possibly that's something that we'll have to adapt to a little bit. Some of the way that Leeds approached the game was chaotic, to be honest with you. There was there was some organised chaos, I guess you could call it, but some of some of the times when Liverpool broke and they just didn't make the most of it. I think you saw in the stats Leeds had three shots on target and scored three goals. That that's just clinical. But the little bit, as I say, just I wonder if they got a little bit too much credit just because they didn't get a result out of it. And that's what they're gonna have to learn. Because say they approach the Fulham game in the same way, but don't get a result against Fulham. It's all criticism. There's no praise out of that. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Because they remind me a little bit of, you know, Norwich last season, they played decent football. They went at teams, particularly on, but they just didn't have the quality. At least Leeds had the quality. They scored the goals, but it's all about the results. It's all well and good going to Anfield, scoring three goals, but if you don't get the points at the end of the season, you know, ultimately you go down. So it's striking that balance. But I, I think... I think we saw enough from Leeds. I think they are going to hurt a lot of teams and they'll, you know, Fulham. I think they could get a, get a high dip, for example, if Leeds play that well. I think Leeds really do have the capability to take points off top half or top half European fighting teams. I really, really do. And this Fulham game now, it's for them to continue that because we, we saw them beat Fulham 3 0 in the Championship about two months ago. And that is the kind of performance they're going to have to put in against Fulham on Saturday because there's no there's no point performing like they did at Anfield if they don't beat Fulham. On to Everton um, now. I don't know about you, but I was really impressed with Everton. I know I'm going to get absolutely slated by the Matchday FM team. <laughs> it's going to get brought up. I'm going to bring it up, obviously, the fact that at first... By admission of a mistake, I had Everton 13th. I corrected it to 11th. I've then slowly moved them up. 
and then you know, see, I clearly motivated them. I clearly motivated them. They obviously heard, signed all them players, and was like, "We'll show you," because I thought they were brilliant. Um, but Spurs were pretty awful, weren't they? So, what really do you take out of the, that game? Do you take it more that Everton were a really good outfit and? Somebody like James, Rodriguez, Allen and Decore really do make that team a very good one. I think you're right on parts, to be honest with you, because Everton were very good and Spurs were very poor. We have to say that. Um, I thought it was interesting because the, the defence hadn't particularly for Everton, but it was, the, it was the three midfielders that really impacted that you saw some of James's touches and the fact he, he created the most chances on his Premier League debut since any Premier League player since Alexis Sanchez in 2014. Now, that, that is a stat. That, and that just shows he is a player Everton have been lacking. Absolutely, he's a player Everton have been lacking. Just watching the game, and it was he, he was that player who's prepared, prepared to give the ball away to create an opportunity because there was a stat floating around that De Bruyne and uh, Alexander-Arnold, certainly within the Premier League, gave the ball away the most times in the attacking third last year. That's because they're attempting to create opportunities. And that is what Everton haven't had. But James Rodriguez absolutely has that ability. Alan got man of the match, rightly so. He is... How do I... I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to um, say this in a, in a broadcastable term. He is incredibly annoying. You, every team needs a player who is annoying as such. Because he just breaks up the play, wins the ball. I thought he combined really well with Ducore. But thoroughly deserved, certainly in the second half. I thought the way Everton set up in the second half was absolutely fantastic. I mean, when, when, you're, when you're seeing it, are you sitting there thinking, I, I just don't see Tottenham scoring here? Yeah, I, I, I thought they just, in general, they looked flat. Certainly in the second half. Yeah, just really flat and... I think credit has to go to Everton for making the flat. You mentioned Alan and Decore in particular, breaking up that play. But I think as good as Everton were, and I will give Everton a lot of credit, I think they're going to have a good season based on what I've seen. Because um, the, there was the stat that they never win away at the big six. 40 games are something ridiculous. Now they've changed that. That's a monkey off the back. But I think Spurs have a lot of work to do. I think I tweeted after the game, if this is what... We see on a weekly basis from Mourinho, um, Mourinho's Spurs team. I don't think Spurs will be a Mourinho team for very much longer because they were really bad, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, really bad. Um, <laughs> he blamed fitness levels. I'm sorry, everyone's in the same boat. Absolutely. That, every, it's a co- easy cop-out, isn't it? Yeah, everyone's in the same boat with regards to fitness. So I thought that was a really poor excuse. Just quickly on Everton before we go to Tottenham. Everton, similarly to Leeds hosting Fulham, Everton playing West Brom, they have to follow that up, have to beat West Brom, otherwise there's no point winning against Tottenham. After the first half, with the Deli Ali chance, with the Matt Doherty chance, and I'm going to throw the Harry Kane chance in there because I think Michael Keane does really well just to lean his shoulder in and just make sure Kane doesn't get to the ball back. That's second half. If I have to call it toothless, I'm being really kind. There was no invention. One thing where Everton did really, really well was getting behind Tottenham. And Spurs just couldn't do that the other way around. I think Everton defended very well, but nevertheless, there was no space for Spurs to get in behind. And let's not forget, I think 
on another day, this could have been three or four for Everton. The Richarlison chance in the first half. I, I wonder. I, I wonder if I, if I listen back to that with no crowd noise. I wonder if a little bit of the fault lies with Calvert-Lewin just because you're in an empty stadium, right? And Richardson goes around Lloris. If you're Calvert-Lewin, you've got to be yelling for the cutback, be demanding the cutback. You can't give Richardson a chance to even think about shooting. And then I notice after he shoots, he goes wide and he laid it off. You've got to be yelling to pass that, to cut that ball back to Richardson. Um, and if Everton were more clinical, could have been a, a much more... Uh, I, I don't think a bigger scoreline would have flattered Everton at all. Um, but yeah, some of the Spurs players in particular, as I said, in particular, Matt Doherty really, really disappointed me. The new signings for, for Spurs didn't really show um, why Mourinho brought them to the club. And I don't know about you, but moving on to look at Chelsea, um, I thought Werner showed glimpses. But I watched the game and... I didn't. I don't know whether it was just me being ignorant, um, but I didn't see masses from Havertz on the ball. But could we really expect brilliance from them when they've only been uh, playing together for a week? Um, or and ultimately they got the job done anyway with the help from from the others around them. So would we be a bit harsh saying we were disappointed by Werner and Havertz and Havertz in particular? Yeah, they were. Uh, they were helped out by by the academy boy Rich. James, weren't they? And uh, I'll very much take his contribution for my fantasy team. Um, <laughs> I knew somebody would have him. <laughs> oh, mate. When, when uh, I, I literally looked up as he took that touch and then smashed in the top bins. Fantastic strike. That, that's some way to get your first Premier League goal, isn't it? And so, he's such a talent, Rich James. He really, really is. On Kai Havertz, I don't think it helped that for some reason Lampard put his record signing out on the right wing when he's a number 10. Uh, don't get me wrong, for a young player like Kai Havertz, I think you should be expected to be versatile. Um, but he really struggled for me. Of course, the, there's the clip that's gone viral today of him cutting inside and shanking the, uh, the, the pass out of play, which you know, in the second you see that, you just know it's going to get replayed over and over again. Um, Timo Werner, Flashes of it. Um, I expected that from him, seeing him the last few years. I, I maintain that the first time I really saw him at Stuttgart, I wasn't overly impressed. Leipzig took a chance on him and you know, he repaid them greatly. Uh, he was really, really quick on the penny to, uh, to, to latch onto the loose ball and, uh, and win the penalty, which apparently he got a dead leg from but then continued to play the entire game, <laughs> which I, I went, I've had a dead leg, I can't move. So fair play at that level. Um, and I think it's important, you know, he, he, could have, he could have scored easy when Loftus-Cheek should have played him in, absolutely should have played him in in the first half, and then he had a chance in the second, which uh, brought a, a good bluff from Ben White. Um, but we've seen glimpses. It wasn't as free-flowing, maybe as I expected, a bit, a bit harshly, I guess. Um, Maybe it was a bit, bit too much to expect. Uh, we'll see against Liverpool next week because it is going to be a huge, huge game. Just how free-flowing that Chelsea side are against Liverpool's attack. Um, and if Liverpool's attack has improved by next week as well, which, which is going to be a big thing. But uh, I get plenty to work on for Chelsea. 3-1 slightly flattered them, to be honest with you, because Brighton put in a very good shift um, up until Reese James's goal. Well, I thought it won one Up until that point, I thought Brighton were the better team. Tariq Lamptey, a special mention to him. I thought he was 
exceptional down that right-hand yeah, side. We, he was the English right-back we'd be talking about if it wasn't for Reece James. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was definitely. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Brighton for the way they played, similar to, to Leeds in, in that respect, that plenty of credit despite not winning the game. I think the big thing for Chelsea, in the same bracket as, as Liverpool from earlier, they won without playing particularly well. Um, neither Liverpool or Chelsea were anywhere near their best and, and won games against teams that played well. So they're probably the main positives. You're listening to Matchday FM. How crucial has Bruno Fernandes been? Because it, it, they've almost been, it, it, I think it's fair to say they've just been unrecognisable since he's come in. I think he's certainly jumped into the Premier League halfway through a season and certainly shown he can swim in that particular in that <laughs> metaphor. <laughs> Rather than sink. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We're actually well, talking no, about football, aren't we? I know, no, but no. I meant in the Olympics is next year, Tommy. Check out all of our podcasts so far on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. But we might as well move it on to the fact that Chelsea and Liverpool are playing each other. Um, what can we expect really from that? Because obviously, Chelsea. I don't know how many of um, the rest of the players that they like to get back. Obviously, Thiago Silva didn't play. Chilwell signed injured. ZX injured. We've got to mention the fact that they're missing Pulisic as well. Goalkeeper had a poor game again. <laughs> I mean, he only had mate one save and he didn't even do that. Um, but then, like we touched on, Liverpool's defence was really, really awful against uh, <laughs> against Leeds. And if Werner and Havertz are anything like what they could be, it's going to be a tough one. So it's such an interesting game on match day two, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, for me... It's not an exaggeration either to say Liverpool's defence has been poor since February. We we saw a stat this week that the amount of goals Liverpool's conceded since I think since February has gone up to one point six per game. That was unthinkable first half of the la- first half of last season. Absolutely, it'll be a very end to end game. I can see it being another kind of basketball game, and as Liverpool fend, it felt a bit like thirteen fourteen under Brendan Rodgers. Um, for Liverpool and if they continue to defend like that could we could see many basketball games including Liverpool this season for Chelsea it was interesting because Lampard said Pulisic was in contention and then didn't even make the squad so I do is, did wonder is it potentially a little bit a bigger injury than, than made out to be we're, we'll see if he's in the squad obviously uh, at, at the weekend um, for Chelsea, Chelsea defensively I thought they were okay. Thiago Silva will improve that with his experience. Chelsea going forward is going to be the big one, though, because they were absolutely flying on the counter-attack. And you saw for yourself, if you didn't know already, how quick Timo Werner is when he puts the afterburners on. <laughs> absolutely terrifying, isn't he? I wonder if you put him... I mean, I know Adama Traore last season was just because If you put him and Adama Traore in a foot race, I'd love to see that. You'd hate see to see, see that. Would that, that, one. that would actually be a, yeah. a really good... Um, Battle two very different physiques as well, which would make it even more interesting. Yeah, forget the hundred meter final. Just watch Timo Werner versus the Dharma Um I, I'm expecting another crazy, crazy game. Put it that way. The fact that the meet is so early in the season and they're both, you know, in inverted commas, title challenges because you know they're they're expected to be there thereabouts. We, you know, it's very early in the season still, but. In particular for Chelsea, a win against the reigning champions would give them a, a tremendous boost, wouldn't it? Especially if 
they still don't have some of the big names available. It'd be an absolutely huge statement. I mean, th- th- this is a Chelsea team as well. They, they scored three at Anfield, albeit in defeat, uh, after lockdown last year. Uh, they, it was only 2-1. Uh, Liverpool won at Stamford Bridge, and Mason Matt had a great chance late on to, to nick a point. It would be a huge, huge statement for Lampard because uh, there's a little bit of a... A rivalry, I would say. A little bit of a rivalry bubbling up between uh, Jurgen Klopp and Frank Lampard. Kind of originated from last season when Lampard accused Klopp's backroom staff of being arrogant, saying, you've won the Premier League title, don't get too big for your boots. I found that a little bit ironic, personally, when you consider his Derby County team celebrated for nearly half an hour plus after winning the semi-final against Leeds a few years ago. But that's another matter altogether. Um, But it it would be very interesting. I know Klopp's signed a long... and a new contract to Liverpool until 2024. If him and Lampard does become a bit of a rivalry over the next few years, and if Lampard sees the team win this game, that's a hell of a feather in his cap. And for Liverpool, they'll probably be looking at uh, Kepa's save percentage or potentially lack of it. Uh, nine goals from the last 13 shots uh, have gone into the back of his net. So I'd imagine somebody like a, a Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, even Bobby Firmino, who don't score that many these days, he'll probably be fancying his chances, won't he? Oh, you had to throw that one in, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think there's one angle I haven't seen of Kep of the Trossard goal yet that I do want to see, just to see how bad an error it was from Kepper last night. Um, but the one thing Liverpool do is score goals and I don't want it to get to the situation where it's you, you score three, we'll score four. Um, of course, Liverpool are such a fluid attacking team. And I know two of the four were penalties. Um, but it was interesting to see Liverpool overall score four set-piece goals, which as opposed to in open play. But the fact that Liverpool didn't, sorry, Liverpool didn't play well but won the game, that's a sign of what teams at the top of the table have been renowned for for years. Um, and they'll see they'll see winning at Stamford Bridge as putting down a marker just so Chelsea will see winning the game. So it should be a, well, potentially another classic. Yes, uh, I think if that had been United getting two penalties, there'd have been an uproar on Twitter. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I had to it, throw it, that it, in. It, it, <laughs> it helps when the record signing chops down, your mid, chops down the midfielder with about yeah, two minutes I mean, to go. No arguments about that one, was there? Let's face it. Obviously, four sides are going to be um, starting their season as well this weekend um, in Villa, Burnley, and the two Manchester clubs. For City and United in particular, then, having seen everybody else play who's a top form and potential title rival, they'll be, their focus will potentially be putting down a market, won't it? Because nobody really put one down in that, in that first game. Absolutely. I mean, City in particular, because I don't think Wolves is going to be a, an easy game for City. Not at all. The way they started against Sheffield United, and we know how good the team Wolves are. With no European football this year, clean run in the league, clean run of the Cups, considering they had the longest season in their history in more ways than one last season, that could be a really tough game for City to start with. For United, home against Crystal Palace, you feel should be more straightforward. Uh, but of course, Palace have already got a game under their belts. We saw um, United uh, lose one 0 in a friendly against uh, in a friendly against Aston Villa, which uh, you know obviously it's a friendly. You don't you don't normally take too many things from that, but nevertheless they'll have to get over the Europa League disappointment to get right back into it. And uh, we'll see if, if the front four 
as we call them, of uh, Fernandez, Greenwood, Martial, and Rashford uh, are fit and firing again. And of course, Palace won at Old Trafford last yes. season as well. With so the, yeah, who knows about the De Gea that error, one? Eh? If you yeah. remember De Gea error. So again, him or Henderson, we'll, we will see. That that's probably the big one to to look out for. And that's probably going to be a a topic of conversation either way um, on our next version of this for match day two. You're listening to Match Day FM. Did look at one stage, we'd maybe have four teams battling it out for uh, for Champions League place on the final day. Obviously, Chester, sorry, yeah, Chelsea. Chester? <laughs> I know. I know. Quite it's a season day, uh, uh, Participation <laughs> in this in the Premier League. <laughs> Chelsea, <laughs> Leicester, oh, Manchester United. Start again. That's yeah. going in a sting, I don't care. Blue Violet, surely. Liverpool, Liverpool, <laughs> Liverpool, Man City. Man United and Chester. <laughs> <laughs> Banter, debate, and the odd good point too, right here on Matchday FM. So, in terms of then the predictions, uh, what we'll do, we'll go fixture by fixture and we'll both give a line and a prediction of who we think is going to win those games. We might as well start in the order that they're going to be played. So, Everton against West Brom, Chris. I think Everton have to show up. I think they have to back up the really good win at Tottenham in this game because, as I said earlier, there's no point in winning at Spurs and losing at home to West Brom. West Brom were really poor. I thought, I don't know how much the signing of Branislav Ivanovic is going to change that, to be honest with you. I thought I'd woken up in 2009 when I saw that. But uh, I am going to go... I'm going to be quite comprehensive towards Everton here. I'm going to say 3-0. I think very similar in that respect. I think Everton showed real good positive signs for them. West Brom, I think it's going to be a good old slog for them. I thought at times they did okay against Leicester, but nothing better. I think 2 or 3-0 for Everton there. Leeds against Fulham. Well, basically, everything I've just said for the Everton-West Brom game, but... Leeds in place of Everton and put West Brom in place of Fulham, to be honest with you, because there is no point in Leeds playing like they did at Anfield and not winning this game. I think it could be another crazy game. It could be a, a massacre in favour of Leeds, but could Fulham snatch something? It was 3-0 in the championship fixture. I'm going to go for the two here, 2-0 to Leeds. Well, I think Leeds were... Really, really good going forward because Liverpool are all sorts of problems, whereas Fulham didn't even lay a glove really on Arsenal. Arsenal coasting to that one again. Looks like a long old season for Fulham. If they are to stay up, they need to get something from this, but I can't see it. I think, I think Leeds 3, Fulham 1. Manchester United against Crystal Palace. Be interesting to see how quickly United get off the mark. Um, Crystal Palace obviously having... 90 minutes of competitive football under their under their belts and they'll have another uh, 90 in the Carabao Cup this week obviously not being in Europe so they will be in the second round uh, I do anticipate United will win the game just purely because I don't see Palace being too threatening going forwards I, I would genuinely be surprised if Palace scored and uh, just depends how many penalties United get really doesn't it for, uh, for uh, this is total but, uh, well it's in my uh, fantasy team so I hope it's six <laughs> <laughs> um, for the overall scoreline, yeah, I can see this being a 2 or 3 nil to Manchester United. Yeah, I think United's first game may 
take half an hour or so to get going. Crystal Palace will obviously, you know, bit of a low block and try and get on the counter-attack, but surely United are going to have too much quality. I'd be interested to see who's in that midfield. Will Van der Beek get his debut? I think United will win fairly comfortably, I think 2-0. Arsenal against West Ham. Well, I'm going to go for a home clean sweep on the Saturday and with every reason to, Arsenal were scintillating, especially on the break. And West Ham, everything we said the other day on um, on, on the podcast for the, the fifth Premier League preview just resurfaced, didn't it? Toothless, really poor defensively, no fight. I do wonder where West Ham go from this, to be honest with you, because they've got a really tough run of fixtures now. And I can see this being a really heavy win for Arsenal. I, 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 I'm going to go, I'm going to put my neck out there and say four at least. Yeah, I was impressed by Arsenal. I thought they looked really fluid, continue where they left off under Arteta. West Ham, like Chris said, a lot of problems. I think the attacking element, if they click, they have the potential. Somebody like Yarmolenko, it would be good to see him start. This is the sort of game, historically, Arsenal sometimes lose and West Ham win, but I can't see it. 3-0 Arsenal. Moving on to Sunday's games, uh, Southampton against Tottenham. Both of these lost that first game. Will one of them get a win? This is very interesting. Southampton won this fixture last year, and there was the one where Harry Kane got his hamstring injury. Danny Ings with the with the goal. Wasn't overly impressed with Ings the other day. I thought Trey Adams was the brighter of the two forwards. Um, it's a big, big test for Tottenham, isn't it? Because two imagine starting the season with two defeats, as you say, Mourinho's name. Could be, well, the writing could be on the wall, couldn't it? Really, I am going. I'm going to say a point each. I'm going to sit. I'm going to sit on the fence. I'm going to sit on the fence for this one. Well, I'm going to join you and get some splinters. <laughs> I wasn't impressed by either of them. I thought they were both pretty toothless. And <laughs> to be fair, I'm going to say it's going to finish nil-nil. I think that'll be the game to avoid. Ooh, that is a shot. Um, then we'll go on to Newcastle against Brighton. Then Chris. Hmm. One deciding factor in this one for me could be the treatment of Alan Maximan because I thought he did all right against West Ham considering he was kicked to high heaven and back. Brighton, I am impressed with them or was impressed with them against Chelsea. Obviously, a much more attacking style under Graham Potter to what we'd seen from them previously. Um, Newcastle, it's about, it's about following it up though because it was a really good win against West Ham and I can see it being 2-1 to Newcastle. I was impressed by them both. To be fair, I thought Newcastle were really good. Uh, that Wilson-Carroll combination, I think they've got to stick with that. I think it worked really, really well. Yeah. Uh, Brighton, if you can keep him fit, great option. Great absolutely. Option. Brighton played really good football. I thought they were unlucky, like I said earlier against Chelsea. I, I can't really split these. I think there'll be goals as well. I think I'm going to go for a Desmond in that one, 2-2. Chelsea against Liverpool, arguably the big game of the weekend. I think... Chris, go on then. Tell us that we're going to win 6 0. <laughs> That'd be nice. Uh, nice and simple. I, I echo that entirely. I, I, I've said I can see Chelsea winning this game. I really can. Especially if they hit Liverpool on the counter attack because some of the passing was just so sloppy that allowed Leeds to, to counter attack at the weekend. And just how adventurous, I think, it could depend on how adventurous this young Chelsea squad are. Um, but I will go for Liverpool. And I will go for 3-1 Liverpool. Again, I think you know, positives for both were that they won. Negatives are that they didn't win 
particularly convincingly. Liverpool's defence just worried me a little bit. Liverpool had to be much better. I can see this being a draw, um, one apiece. If you had to pick a winner? If I had to pick a winner, I'd go Chelsea at this moment in time. But it's interesting, isn't it? It is, I think it could be a massive game. Um, Leicester against Burnley. First look at Burnley. Yes, um, I think this could be a very tough one for Burnley. Of course, renowned defensively last season. They were really, really good. But Leicester looked really, really sharp against West Brom, didn't they? Castagna fitted in straight away. And of course, Vardy, I know it was two penalties, but the man just can't stop scoring. <laughs> just uh, continuing again and again and again, just scoring goals. Um, Burnley will have some action this week in the Carabao Cup so it'd be good for them to get some minutes under their legs but nevertheless I will go for Leicester and I can see it being comfortable Burnley seems to be notoriously slow starters as well really slow um, start to last season whereas Leicester started like a house on fire of course I can see them getting back-to-back wins I think Leicester are going to win by three goals to one moving on to the Monday night football games and we've got Aston Villa, first look at them at home to Sheffield United. What are we expecting there, Chris? The big thing here is, can I see Villa scoring a goal? Because genuinely, we saw the what well, we saw yesterday. Our prediction about Sheffield United could well come to fruition this season. The most shambolic we've seen them um, since they returned to the Premier League in terms of defence. Um, it's just whether I can see Villa sneaking a goal. Ollie Watkins will start pending injury. I don't want to jinx the guy, but uh, it's just whether he can uh, provide that finishing touch. And I'm going to call it, and I'm going to say 1-0 Aston Villa, Ollie Watkins. Fair enough. I I think it's got 0-0 written all over it myself. I know. I just don't like <laughs> predicting 0-0. doesn't it? I hope I'm wrong, but I think it is going to be a 0-0. And finally then, Wolves against Man City. Like you said, first look at Man City. Looks a tough one. Well, I'm going to throw this at you. They haven't won them more than you since Wolves returned to the Premier League. And City have actually failed to win three of the four games. Wolves obviously the double last season. I'm going to go bold and I'm going to say Wolves are going to get a point. I'm going to raise you. I fancy Wolves. Ooh. I really do fancy Wolves. I would really no, I did not see them. that coming. Really, I mean, that could be the United fan of me talking. But, um, <laughs> I was really impressed with Wolves. Really impressed. Yeah. Um, they won at the Etihad not long ago. Um, obviously, this is that Molyneux. They've got a good record against them. Would not be surprised if Wolves nick this one 2-1. So this is my bold prediction for the week. We do love, a, we do love a, a bold prediction on the show. You're listening to the Matchday FM podcast. And we're going to finish then with a little feature that we're going to stick in every week as well. And that is, we're going to get each of us to name our player of the week, performance of the week, manager of the week, and goal of the week. So Chris, run me through them, short and sweet. What are your player, performance, manager, and goal of the week? Well, my player of the week, I can't not give it to a man that scored a hat-trick, Mohamed Salah. My performance of the week, it could have gone to Leeds if they'd got a result. But my performance of the week goes to Arsenal because I was very impressed uh, as the, with the way they started the season under Mikel Arteta, that very good 3-0 win at Fulham. Manager of the week, Carlo Ancelotti. I thought, especially in the second half, set up the team brilliantly against Tottenham, just nullified 
all the attacking threats and ultimately it was a, a comfortable 1-0 win, if that is such a thing. And my goal of the week, Reese James against Brighton, absolute rocket into the top corner, as I say, for his first Premier League goal. Well, begrudgingly, I'm going to agree on player of the week. I go for Mo Salah, like I said, hat-trick. He basically won the game. Uh, performance, I've actually actually gone for Leeds because they were the I only thought, team... No, I, w- I thought you might, actually. I was yeah. thinking earlier, I thought you might. They're the only team who made me go, hey, up. You know, I actually properly enjoyed watching them. Uh, manager, I've got Steve Bruce because I think, given everything that's gone on, that yeah. is a win that's gone under the radar and I thought they were magnificent with Newcastle. Goal, I've gone for Jack Harrison, mainly because Calvin Phillips' pass is absolutely outstanding. And then, I mean, questionable defending, but fair play, Jack Harrison on the big stage with a big goal to kick off the new season. All in all, it was a very entertaining first game. Hopefully, the podcast has lived up to the same high standards and hopefully, match day two will also See plenty of action, plenty of incidents and plenty of goals for us to dissect next time around. My thanks to Chris Coughlin for joining me on this one. Match Day FM will be back to bring you more Premier League talk next week. But for me and Chris, it's good night for now. <laughs>